Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. It's July and there are all sorts of fun days this month. I love looking at calendars and finding the funny days of the month. You know, there's a a national day or an international day for everything now. So July has kissing day, hand job day, BDSM day, and national orgasm day. I mean, just think of all the possibilities and the choices. I know I'm gonna have a lot of fun this month, but it also got me thinking There are a lot of times that people tend to think of sex as just penetrative intercourse. But that's not all that there is. And in fact, couples with the best sex lives do way more than just penetrative intercourse, right? Their intimacy is built on a lot more nuance than that. You all know that I work in private practice with both singles and couples. So I'm not just speaking from my personal experiences here. I'm talking both about what I've seen in practice as well as what I've read and researched in this episode. A lot of couples want to have better sex. They're just, they just don't know really where to start. And the research shows that in cis heterosexual relationships, women actually tend to lose interest in their partners first and more often. The stereotype that's out there is that it's the husband that loses interest, but it's actually not what the research shows. So if you are in a long-term relationship and you have found that sex isn't what it used to be, or it never really was great in the first place, but you'd like to do something about it, do these 13 things if you want a great sex life. I want to break down some of the reasons why people start losing interest in sex with their partners. And again, this is partly from my experience as well as what research shows. When I get to the heart of it, what I often find is that there was no sex education, either from school, from their parents. They didn't seek it out on the internet either. (laughs) Because there's, you know, if you are, say, 38 and younger, there's a lot of resources out there that you could have accessed at sort of those formative years in your late teens, early 20s. There was also purity culture exposure oftentimes. Sometimes it was a very, very heavy influence. Sometimes it was, uh, I don't know, I call mine purity culture light because it didn't really become a big deal until I was in my later teens and it wasn't until my senior year that the new youth minister was really starting to integrate a lot of that. I felt some touches of it before that, but it wasn't, we didn't have a purity ball. You know, I never put a ring on and like, married my dad i'm not trying to mock people with that i'm just trying to mock the the whole concept another thing is they feel super close otherwise to their partner it's just they don't really want to have sex with them that's a multitude of reasons i just that's kind of the overarching theme for that one they also often do not masturbate they don't have any self-care self-love practice and you know how i feel about what you should do every single day You gotta exercise, meditate, and masturbate. They also don't talk about sex with their partner. 
They may not talk about sex at all, like even with friends or, I don't know, sometimes we've got that cool aunt or uncle or cousin. And they avoid any foreplay, even kissing. This is usually because they don't want pressure for more from their partner, or they don't want to feel like a tease, like that they're just doing a little something like a quick kissing session they think sets the expectation for one or both of them that there needs to be something else afterwards, that it is then to escalate into further sexual activity. And sometimes they just want a quick hug or a kiss or to cuddle or a pat on the butt, but again, they avoid that because they aren't ready for more. Sometimes we just feel satisfied with A, we don't need to go all the way to Z, all right? Again, penetrative intercourse is not the only kind of sex we can have. So if this sounds like you, I want to introduce you to the Gottman Institute's 13 things that their research found couples who have a great sex life have in common. I want to read them all first, and then I'll go back through and break them down a little bit. They say I love you to each other for no reason at all. Just spontaneously say I love you. They kiss passionately for no reason. They give surprise romantic gifts. They know the other person's erotic turn-ons and offs. They show affection to each other, even in public. They have fun together. They cuddle. They make sex a priority, not the last item on a long list of to-dos. They stay good friends. They talk about sex with each other. They have weekly dates out. They take romantic vacations. And they're mindful about turning towards each other. So that's the 13. I did a whole TikTok series with all of these and they were really, really successful. And people, you know, had, there were a couple of times there was some mixed feedback. And, you know, my thoughts are those are people who aren't doing these things. They don't have a great sex life. And like, uh, they were just finding something to complain about. However, I got a lot of feedback from people who were like, oh, babe, we do all these things. I watched all the videos and look at us. So, I, again, I, this is research-based, it's not just me. Like, I can anecdotally say that there are people on my TikTok who 100% agree, and of course there's some people on there who don't, but they were a very small percentage. And again, could have tried to dive a little bit more in, but I don't like, it's not feeding trolls. I just don't like sort of telling people that they're wrong. I sort of, I enjoy just presenting information and people can take it if it resonates or leave it if it doesn't. So, scrolling back through to the top of those 13 things the Gottman Institute says all couples who have an amazing sex life have in common. Get number one, they say I love you to each other for no reason. I talk to clients all the time about how it's very important that I love you doesn't just come, you know, at the end of a fight or as an obligatory phrase you say when you're leaving. Although I think it's important to say goodbye, I love you when someone is walking out the door. It, it needs to be authentic. You need to actually look at that person or say it with enthusiasm and not just let it be a reflexive response. You know, I love you needs to have some passion behind it and some intention behind it. You know, it's kind of fun just in the middle of the day to say, I love you to your partner in the other room or walk by and see that they're doing something kind for you and say, thank you so much, I love you. So. Think of some of the ways that you can start saying I love you more intentionally and more authentically and more consistently. 
and spontaneously. Number two, they kiss passionately for no reason. Again, this a lot of this list is going to involve some spontaneity and some nuance. Esther Perel talks about nuance. So kissing passionately for no reason. Yet I know the reason a lot of people avoid this is, again, I talked about that not wanting to be a tease or not wanting to feel like there's an obligation for more after the kiss. But a spontaneous kiss doesn't have to be a makeout session. It could be a quick peck or just kiss passionately for two or three seconds or hell, just make out for a little bit. You and your partner need to establish that within your sexual connection, there are going to be times that you just kiss. There are going to be times that you just do oral. There are going to be times you just mutually masturbate. And then there will be times where you have penetrative intercourse. And I don't mean to say just as in like penetrative intercourse is the ultimate goal. Uh, I'm just saying that we can compartmentalize different aspects of our sex lives and sexual acts. It doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Think of it more of a menu of options and you decide each time you wanna have some form of sex, what is on that menu. Number three, they give romantic gifts. This doesn't have to be, you know, I think it's also tied there to the five love languages and receiving gifts. It, same complaint on both of these is people like, well, why does it have to be all about spending money? Nope, no, 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 no. Gifts never have to be about money. They're sometimes going to be about money, but that is not a requirement for it to be considered a gift. Gifts can be your service, your acts of service. A gift can be your time. A gift can just be like that you put forth some effort into something that's simple yet thoughtful. Number four, they know their partners turn ons and turn offs erotically. This is super important and this involves a lot of communication and a lot of experimentation and like you, you've each got to learn more about yourself so that you can then talk about it with your partner. If you are struggling with this, I often recommend trying something like a will want won't list. There's also yes, no, maybe lists online, but the will want won't list I now give to clients is way more in depth like 28 pages long. I've talked about it on a couple podcasts. That can help you explore what's a yes, what's a I would do it or a maybe or only in certain situations or scenarios and then what's a hard no? What are your boundaries? Number five, they show affection to each other even in public. This one was probably one of the videos I got the most flack on because people were like, ew, I don't want to see that in public. Well, don't be policing if someone's holding their partner's hand and then, of course, I understand there are some places where you could get hate crime for showing public affection. So certainly not suggesting you put yourself in danger, but it can be things. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm hoping you're not living in a super dangerous place that's incredibly I don't know, homophobic uh, or anti-black. Like, I hope I hope any of my listeners are safe. But again, I, I do understand that point. But also then there's other things like, I don't know, when you're not in front of someone, but maybe you're out in a, a park, can you just have a hug and hold hands, touch arms, touch the small of your partner's back, put your arm around them. I'm not saying put your tongue down someone's throat in front of a crowd of people, unless you're on the kiss cam, even then tongue's kind of gross on the kiss cam. But what I am saying is they don't withhold affection. 
They're not afraid to touch each other. Number six, they have fun together. And I don't know how much I really need to explain that. Come on, you've got to keep the fun going. Think about what you did when you were first dating. I say all the time that the stuff you did to win them over is what you got to do to keep them. So keep courting each other and that will help keep the fun and the spontaneity alive. Number seven, they cuddle. One of the people I look up to most in this world is Esther Perel. I talk about her all the time. One of her books is basically a must read for my clients that are in a partnership. She's actually anti-cuddling. And I see her point because she feels that people get to the point where they often replace sex with cuddling. Valid. However, the clients that I've seen in practice, they're not touching at all. If they're not having a great sex life, they're not touching at all. So uh, can it happen? Yes, I suppose it can. Cuddling can replace intercourse or other sexy playtime. But on the whole, that's just not been my experience. So cuddle away. Cuddle in bed, cuddle on the couch. Don't sit in two separate chairs or on opposite ends of the couch when you're watching television. That is unless you're like rubbing each other's feet or honestly, that's how my parents sit on the couch. They sit opposite ends of the couch with their feet towards each other and then they rub each other's feet or hold each other's feet, like just having a hand on the other person. My parents have been married for over 40 years and I'm pretty damn sure they do all 13 of these. Number eight, they make sex a priority. Yep, it can't be the last item in a long list of to-dos. If you are simply leaving it to be the thing that you do once everything else for the day is done, it's not going to get done consistently, all right? Have sex in the morning. Have sex in the afternoon. Again, do all of the things. Have an oral session. Have a penetration session. Uh, have a mutual masturbation session do all of the things and you can do them at any time during the day whatever works for you but don't leave it as the last thing because it won't get done number nine they stay friends again pretty self-explanatory there number 10 they talk about sex this is Again, as I referenced earlier one of the bigger stumbling blocks with this because there's Usually a lot going on if couples are, you know, in a long-term relationship and they don't talk about sex or they skirt around it or they only talk about some aspects of it. Building up your comfort level talking about sex with your partner takes time. I love coaching clients through this process. It's incredibly rewarding for me as a coach. And when you, when I see the changes in couples, when they learn to start talking about sex, it is just incredible. Again, that will, want, won't list is often a factor in that and helping people be able to sort of code <laughs> what they like and what they don't and be able to talk about it in a, a plain manner a straightforward manner with their partner it opens up so many doors to conversations number 11 they have weekly dates out of course during the pandemic we can uh, put an asterisk next to out uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet i mean i live in missouri and we're facing some pretty crazy shit going on with this delta variant so who knows how much longer the state's going to be open unless our governor just wants to kill everybody anyway i'm sorry i'm ranting about that uh (laughs) weekly dates out 
again, that's that can be, I think, right now, very subjective. Your weekly date out could simply be a picnic at your favorite park where you can just enjoy the beautiful day. It's summertime. Maybe you want to go to the pool or to your local beach. Just lounge and read a book sitting side by side, discussing your day or planning your upcoming vacation. Because that's the next thing. Romantic vacations is number 12. Again, a little challenging in a pandemic world. But hey, staycations are totally a thing. Vacations do a couple of things for people's sex lives. One, there's the shared anticipation of the like, oh, the time away. We get to relax and then you're planning things and what you're going to do. And you're planning, you know, if you're going to take some toys or a sexy outfit or, you know, new lube and things like that along on your vacation. Thinking about the possibilities of what your hotel room will look like and what that bed's going to feel like. Talk about those things. Build up the sexiness before you go on that vacation. And, of course, one of the requirements for a romantic vacation is you leave the kids at home if you've got them. You need time away for just you two. It is incredibly important. I'm going to go on a little tangent here. This is something I talk about a lot with my clients that are parents. A lot of them tend to shift into this mode of being parent first, partner second. And I ask them to flip it. Because if they are not focusing on their partnership, they're not going to be the best parents that they possibly can be. One, you've got to provide that great example to that tiny human or humans in your home of what a healthy relationship looks like. And a healthy, loving relationship takes prioritization. Show them that they should be a priority to their future spouse. Show them that one day to that person they fall in love with, they should be the top priority. You will be better parents if you put your partnership first. Okay, done with my tangent. Number 13, they are mindful about turning towards each other. What this means is that when it comes to like that emotional support, are you turning towards your partner? If you're feeling something, if you got some a, a ball of emotions worked up inside of you, are you turning towards your partner or away from them? Who do you get that fix from when you need something? Certainly, there are times where we need to go talk to someone else about something like, I'm not saying that they need to be the only person that you talk to about what you've got going on in your life or what your thoughts and feelings are. But what I'm saying is that trope, I think that a lot of us in our uh, 40s and 30s saw from previous generations about, you know, I, I hate my wife. My husband's a blah, blah, blah. Uh, that Not only is that kind of comedy dying out, but I think that mindset is dying out. I saw something online that said that uh, jokes are switching. They used to be about, I hate my wife, and now they're more, I hate my life. They've become more internalized and less externally focused. They're taking responsibility and not blaming their spouse anymore for their bullshit. <laughs> anyway, again, the point is you can't bottle things up and hide all that from your spouse and think that your relationship is going to flourish or that you're going to have a healthy sex life. You have to be mindful about turning towards your partner when you need to talk about something important. If you've got something on your mind, if something hurt your feelings, you want to make some changes, or even when things are good, 
it's not just about when like things are bad this is about when when things are good when things are mediocre or when things are tough turn towards your partner so when you think about those 13 what if any do you do really well what do you do okay and what do you do poorly what could you use a lot more of and how do you work on these things is what you know a lot of people ask me you know some of these are easy and some of these need talks and planning with your partner you can't just spontaneously start doing something without a conversation with your partner first it might wig them out a little bit so give them a heads up have conversations about some of these things listen to this podcast with your partner talk to a coach or a therapist but Dr. Gottman says that he doesn't really think that this is rocket science. You just start doing small things. In fact, their podcast is called Small Things Often. What are some of the small things that you can do more regularly? And eventually, you know, you'll look back and see, wow, all those little changes here and there really had a big impact over time. You can also read more books, both educational and erotic, I think, Romance novels and erotic novels open up people's imaginations. You can listen to audio erotica as well, like Dipsy. When you're not feeling comfortable talking about sex, again, it kind of goes back to some of the purity culture, the lack of sex ed. So audio erotica can again open some doors and help you learn more. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You don't have to tackle all 13 at once. Pick one, start there. And then when you start feeling like you've mastered that one, add another one. Talk with your partner and decide what on that list of 13 things is the first thing you want to tackle together, whether that's because it's the easiest thing or it's the hardest thing. Depends upon if you've got an eat that frog mentality or not. But just start. That's all. Just start. If you'd like some more support or information, feel free to reach out to me, Kristen, at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. I'd be happy to help you. That's it. That's all I got for you this episode. Thanks so much for joining me. And oh, I guess one last thing. I've got another workshop coming up at the end of July. I'm, in fact, I'm doing workshops every last Thursday of the month now. So this workshop will be on July 29th and I'm doing my cock worship workshop again. That's where I help people learn a slightly different approach to sucking a tick. It's a little bit more of a a power stance, a lot less about just feeling like you're fulfilling obligation or doing it out of a sense of duty. It's about changing the way you think about it and the way you approach it. Tickets are on Eventbrite. You can check any of my social media channels to get a link to the tickets. And I'll also put a link in the show notes. Oh, I know I'm always talking about email me if you've got questions. But now you can also text me if you have questions. I have a new text line where you can ask me anything. Text me at 339-900-2304. It's pretty anonymous. I can only see a couple of digits of the phone number. You can totally throw in there like, hey, I'm a listener. Here's my question. Your first question is free. And then after that, it's just $4 per question. Now I think that wraps it up. Thanks for joining me today. I know it's been a little while since I've done just a solo episode. Just been busy lately. Seriously, TikTok's had me so freaking busy with new clients, and I finally just got a a moment where it settled down a bit. Thanks again for listening, and join me next time. 
Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.